1: sent off today.
2: Y'all know what time it is. I really do not even need to say what this episode is about because I hope if you have been listening to her with Amina Brown, you know that it's time to talk Best Television of 2023. And you know that there is only one guest. It, is she even a guest still? Like, is it just now we're at the podcast Living Room Point where Kalundra would just be like, girl, I'd be there and just open up the door and just get snacks. Please welcome again, playwright, theater critic, journalist, Kalundra Smith. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah. so happy to be here.
0: This is like one of my favorite things every year.
2: You know what I realized? Um, you and my friend Caitlin, like most, most, most guests, like y'all have been the guest the most times of this whole podcast. Just y'all too. Multiple times. Because I think mm-hmm. you've been here three times. I think she's been here three times now. You might be it's four. A- I can't really remember off the top of my head right now. We three or four right now, Kalundra. So thank you.
0: I think it's for Amina, and it's an honor. I, I come back every time. You know, I adore you. So, yes.
2: We have us a good time. So this is what we're going to do. Kalundra and I are going to talk as long as we um, can, humanly possible. And then whatever <laughs> we cannot fit into this episode, y'all, is going to go on a bonus episode for all my Patreon people. Okay, Kalundra. first of all, I want to give a little context to this year of television because this has been a wild time. This has been a wild time. <laughs> we had a writer strike that lasted 5 months of the year. We are currently SAG-AFTRA still still striking right now. Still has not ascertained the deal that they deserve. So mm-hmm. this this we hold space for knowing all of the artists that we know mm-hmm. that have been affected by this. And that affects some of what we're talking about as far as how television unfolded this year was very unique. I mean, you and I first started doing this when we were like in that first year of the pandemic almost. We were like, what is, what is, now we all need our TV because we home now. And this year to me in in a certain way took me back to that, but in a different way that we were sort of watching like how important television is, how important that storytelling is and uh, we want writers and actors to be paid fairly. So, what are your thoughts and thinking about the year closing that we finally see the writers of WGA um, get the deal that they were fighting for, and still waiting for the actors? How is that? How has that been for you in the in the world where you are as a writer?
0: I'll say this, a few, several things come to mind. One is I, I I, 100% share that sentiment, like holding so much space for the people who have completely had their lives upended by these strikes because the thing about being a working artist for so many people is that the instability makes it to where you are so often living from paycheck to paycheck. So very, very few people can afford to go five plus months months without a paycheck. And one of the things that has been on my heart is that there are artists who are leaving the industry altogether because it's like, I can't afford the financial havoc and chaos that these negotiations and things cause on my life when... Uh, they happen because the writers got their deal, but that deal only stands for three years and then we'll be right back here, right? right. And the sag after strike at this point is still going on. Mm-hmm. And then IATSE has their negotiations next year. right? Um, so, and IATSE is crew, not just for television and film, but also Broadway. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, if IATSE don't get what they want, it's... <laughs> Everything gonna be going dark. Some things is going dark, period. (laughs) It's time to go back to the symphony. Mm -hmm. Uh, So (laughs) you you will have ballet and orchestras, Mm -hmm. which then brings me back to something that has been also an interesting development of these strikes, which is that Theaters have, in some ways, benefited because talent that had gone to television and film because it was more lucrative have returned back to the theater wow. because the Actors Equity Dramatist Guild and all of those negotiations happened like during the pandemic and right before. Mm. So they're able to work in theater. So there are some names that you're able to see doing productions all across the country that you would not have seen prior to. You're also seeing small independent film festivals benefit from talent um, not being able to go and do the major motion picture promotion things. For the few productions that can get that special permission rate waiver from SAG-AFTRA or for people who have worked on short films, Mm -hmm. you're seeing more of that. So for example, in Rome, Georgia they have an international film festival every year. And Ethan Hawke decided to premiere one of his films there. Wow. Because he can't necessarily take it to a Cannes or to a Tribeca. Right. And so, but it can go to Rome, you know, Rome, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where um, the there's, there's a leveling of the playing field that's happening in some ways, but also um, there's this is all necessary to me because you know I'm I'm all passionate about working people getting what they deserve right. and so that's the topic of my play the wash mm-hmm. you know so it's yeah that's what I got to say about that
2: okay speaking of Kaendra's um, play the wash can you catch the listeners up in the last year you have had a lot of wonderful professional, development things that have happened can you catch us up on how are the plays out here doing how is the (laughs) journalism out here catch us up on what's what's been happening with you
0: this has been a really beautiful year it's so crazy so i will tell you something amina um and 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 listeners i went to new orleans in february um, to, it was partially to do some research for a work trip. And part of it was just because, you know how, like, you feel spiritually, like, you need to go somewhere. Yep. So, like, I always say, like, new for some reason, Louisiana and Mississippi, like, the land memory in those places is, like, very, very strong yeah. for me. So whenever I, like, set foot in those places, like, very emotional for some reason, mm-hmm. And so, and mind you, I'm a daughter of Georgia. So I don't understand what it is about Louisiana, Mississippi, but it's like instant tears. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm in this bookstore called Baldwin & Co. Books. If you are in New Orleans, check them out, mm-hmm. Black-owned bookstore. So I'm in Baldwin & Company. And then I had gone to this shop that was, Um, I, I love to walk when I explore cities. And so I had walked all the way to this shop that was near the French Quarter Uh, and I, I'm I'm forgetting the name of the shop, but this woman read my face when I went into the shop and she said, I see airplanes flying all around your head. Calundra. Yeah. (laughs) That's what she said. And I have literally been on a plane (laughs) at least twice a month. Wow. Since.
2: Wow. That gave me chills, Calundra. Wow.
0: And she told me it wasn't going to stop for a while. Mm. So I was just like, all right, I'm ready. God, like grow me into who I need to be. Mm -hmm. So I um, have had a beautiful year. The highlights being that my play The Wash, which is inspired by the Atlanta Washer Women's Strike of 1881, is going to have its world premiere in Atlanta, co-produced by Synchronicity Theater and Impact Theater. It will run for four weeks at Synchronicity Theater, and then it'll run for another three at Impact Theater. So Atlanta, I need y'all to show up. I know, that's right. Show out, Mm -hmm. get your tickets, buy it up, Run it up, mm-hmm. as the children run it,
2: say. run it up, as the kids say. Please. No cap. I think I said that right. Anyway,
0: yes. <laughs> Bring the whole family, <laughs> your auntie, grandma, all of them. Make it something. It's This is a play. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's heartwarming. You're going to fall in love with the women of the Wash, inspired by the Atlanta Washer Women's Strike of 1881, set in 1881 but it's going to feel super contemporary mm-hmm. given all the things happening with labor around the country right now and you're going to laugh. This is the thing that surprises everybody. I've written a comedy about a labor strike cuz I'm not right ahead and so <laughs> you are going to laugh. Mm-hmm.
2: I love that. I love this calendar.
0: <laughs> so that's been a lovely development. And then the other thing is that um I have now had a chance to step into a role as the managing editor at American Theater Magazine, which is something, thank you, that I was never expecting or looking at. Honestly, I had given up the idea of working as a journalist full time at somebody's publication Mm -hmm. probably six years ago, Mm -hmm. to be honest. like I was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Let it go. And then one day I saw a job posted on Facebook and I was just like, well, let me just see. And all of a sudden, they were like, we want you. And I was just like, oh, snap. (laughs) So it's been a wild ride and super fun um, so far to be there. And I'm looking forward to all of the things that uh, we get to do. So look for American Theater Magazine. You can check us out online. Also, we are quarterly in print. I will say American Theater is a magazine where the print and the online are not exactly the same. So you're going to oh. get some content in print that you don't get online and you're going to get some content online that you don't get in print. Wow. So it's worth it to have both. Wow. So those have been like two career highlights, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say is just that like, I feel like this has been like the year of surrender. Yeah. And surrender, it, it, as a recovering perfectionist, if we, as we have talked about in past episodes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that. Everybody raise your right hand. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Mm Kalundra. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Hi, Kalundra. Yes. (laughs) -hmm. Yes. 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 So as a recovering perfectionist, surrender actually feels like whatever your least favorite bodily sensation is, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It it feels like that. Mm -hmm. But when you get into the habit of it, is so much better. Wow. And what I have found this year is I'm getting better. I ain't got there yet, y'all. But I'm getting so much better. And I find myself sometimes going in the extreme opposite direction where I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm done. <laughs> Walk away from everything. I'm about to be like Roy Wood Jr. did to The Daily Show. Period. Yeah. Like- <laughs> like- Period. He was like, oh, I
2: see y'all playing in my face. So I'm out of here. I'm out of here.
0: They were playing in his face. They were playing in his face. Period. Clearly the fan favorite, the one who ran up the ratings, all of that, he was the pick. And they were like, we still got people to talk to. And Roy was like, all right, that's fine. I believe in me. And I understand that feeling. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I feel that Colundra. I feel that. Well, first of all, I am just very excited about all of these developments. I'm excited about the the world, the world premiere of your play, Colundra. What a big deal. It's a big deal to finish a play, to finish writing one. Not to mention now getting a chance to see this in full production on stage. I'm so, so happy for you this position with this magazine, Calundra, everything. It's like, every, y'all, if y'all could see me on um on what is still Twitter to me, I don't care what that man say. If y'all could it's see Twitter. me on Twitter and Calundra comments, like, yes, Calundra, yes. You deserve. I know that's right. That's like the energy that I feel every time these announcements come. And, and I appreciate the realness of what you said, that you can see sort of someone's Uh, someone's story from a distance you're not there to see all the things happening behind the scenes and that the successes we experience in life often come to us from those places of surrender that you described Mm -hmm. and I appreciate you sharing that side too that those things are connected in this way sometimes we want them to be and sometimes we don't but they be connected Mm
0: -hmm. listen listen Mm -hmm. God be like are you gonna let go or are you going to fight for your position? And i just be like, I'm trying to let go. I'd be <laughs> like, what?
2: what's the definition of let go? What you mean when you say let go? Can I get like a clarity? Is there a... Is there like an Urban Dictionaries version? I need
0: the instruction. I literally prayed one day. I was like, God, I know you want me to surrender, but you know I don't know how. So I'm going to need you to come with an instruction mm-hmm, manual mm-hmm. on how that works. Let me know. Because Let me know. I feel like I'm surrendering, but clearly I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would like some steps.
2: I would like some some steps. I need some steps, yeah. which is such a perfectionist thing to me. It is definitely that. Because I'm definitely like, if it's 33 steps, just tell me all 33. I need them now. But but surrender really be like, you get two steps and that's it. And then you have to wait there until you get the third one. That'd be the hard part for me. Like if it's 33 steps and just say it now, I can map out my plans. I can decide what I'm doing here. But instead you're going to give me step one and step two and then be like, wait there. And that's not my shit. That's not my shit. I'm just, that's not my shit. <laughs>
0: Like how you you got to do big faith. Mm, it ain't little faith. Mm, it's big faith. I'm mm, mm, mm.
2: like this. This is not me. <laughs> this is not what I want. So yes, thank you, Kalundra. I'm gonna make sure we share the links to all of this so that people can support. And I want to be in the place to be myself to see your play on stage like this. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yes, look for us June and July 2024. Oh yes, I'm ready. Let me mark my calendar. Let me get an outfit. <laughs> Get yes, because I'm gonna be trying to take Kalundra pictures so that way you know later on I can use it as my throwback Thursday when people are like oh my gosh she has a picture with Kalundra Smith
0: <laughs> oh please I'll be like
2: yes this is me and Kalundra back in the day hey well, you could get her on the podcast for free oh my god <laughs> oh my god you know now you know yesterday's price I understand Kalundra yesterday's price for same. you yesterday's price is
0: today's price. <laughs> 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 now for everybody else, <laughs> you you going to pay
2: you going to pay tomorrow's price today. That's everybody else. That's 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 the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all Calundra and I are here to discuss our best TV of 2023. And I really hate to begin on the down note, but I need to start with best shows we're really going to miss. Last year, this time, you and I were mourning the loss of the Desus Samiro show. And it Mm -hmm. still has left uh, a void here with me. Um, What are some of the best shows that we found out this year? They're not going to come back. What are some shows that you are like, man, I'm going to miss that one?
0: So we knew the end was coming for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for those of us who grew up on Gilmore Girls, we have to also understand that, like, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino is only going to give you a show, like, every decade. So we were really savoring Mm -hmm, mm The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because we know next show, 2030. You know what I mean? Wow. So... You know, that's one of those things where it was like this final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was really, really, it was, I love that they left it like with an untidy ending because mm. that is so midge mm-hmm. and that is so that show. But I also appreciate that they did tie up some other stuff for us okay. and they played with form a bit by going, they they flashed us forward in time for those who have or have not seen it. Um, They flash us forward in time a bit. And then I was like, is this like the Joan and Melissa Rivers unauthorized story? Like what's happening here? Um, But it's, it was, I love that show. Mm -hmm. For those who've never watched it, it's set in the 19, it starts in the late 1950s. Basically a housewife finds out her husband is cheating on her with his secretary. She, in a fit of rage, goes down to the Village gets on stage at a rundown comedy club, does a set, and then like becomes a stand-up comedian and gets a divorce.
2: <laughs> and that's oh. that's a feat generally, but especially in the late 1950s, I mean that's a big feat.
0: <laughs> and this show is so funny. It's so it's funny. If you funny. are someone who used to like the nanny back in the day, then that kind of quick writing that you get from Gilmore Girls mixed with like some sensibilities from the nanny, like it's going, it's going to hit all your access Mm -hmm, points. mm -hmm. we I'm saying goodbye to Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and I'm going to miss it. Mm -hmm. Next one I have to say is, and we just, we recently, somewhat recently found out this information. I don't know why I was all up into the Wonder Years reboot. Okay, the same. The same. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not coming back. Why like, would
2: you cancel I mean, it?
0: Like, I wanted to
2: see him make it to high school, the baby boy. I want to see him make it to high least. school
0: at least.
2: Like, I don't know. I, I'm. It's, it's a lot of sadness around that because I really, I think we we've had an era of some much needed like feel good shows.
0: Ooh. And
2: between Abbott Elementary and the Wonder Years reboot, I I really enjoyed seeing this cast. Black during this era in the South during this era, but it was filled with so much joy and whimsy and the curiosity of this little boy and all of his foibles and mistakes. Like, I'm gonna miss that one, Colundra. Yeah, that one hurt my heart.
0: I was mad about I'm it. I'm gonna miss it. And I also am thinking to myself about Grand Crew. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because
2: that is the show... That I was really big, Matt. Like when I tell you, I've been in my house, Grand Crew, Grand Crew, Grand Crew. It had the fantastic um theme song. Me and Matt really clang clang now yes. after watching that show. That shit was so great, Colundra. How dare they take it away from us? I'm whoa, like, I, I'm not over it still.
0: So witty. The thing about Grant and Crew is that it was so witty because, first of all, the fact that they had a wine metaphor for the names of the episodes and like did the different and then the play on words, Grant Crew. Like it was just it was it was television for people who get the joke. Yes. And that's the thing that I appreciated about it. And I loved again that it was happy, lighthearted, black TV, and I am sad. That we will no longer have the grand crew. Oh, that show was so
2: good. Like, that hurt my feelings. Because I think in a way, it was a show about something, but it had some episodes where it was able to be a show about nothing sometimes. And I think it really brings me a lot of joy when Black casts and shows that were created by Black creators get to have that, get to just be like, we don't have a show about this character's little quirks. And the whole show is just about that. <laughs> and I just yeah. was like, yes, there was just some of it was nonsensical. Some of like the plots and the things that the characters were doing. And I just loved every minute of it. So big shout out to Grand Crew. I love that show. I'm going to miss that one. I do have to bring Succession into the chat. It's a different Goodbye. It's a different goodbye because that one was not canceled and stolen away from us. But I I, I love a good organized crime situation. So when there's like organized corporate crime, I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, sign me up for that. This is my type of thing, please. And this very dysfunctional, you know, uh, fictional Fox News family. Wow. What a time this television show was. I really got mad. I was watching it. And when it got to like Succession gonna be in this final season, I was like, okay, now this a couple show. So now you got to start with me from the beginning. And we watched all the way till we got to the end. Woo, Succession. I love the hell out of that show. It was such a mess. It was such a, a a really rich white corporate mess. And I really, you know, I love mess, Calundra, generally. You know I do. But, but it's something about rich white corporate mess. Mm-mm.
0: Succession, R.I.P. Enjoyed you enjoyed you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never watched Secession. I know, y'all. Don't get me. Don't get me. I'm the only person who never watched it, but it's on my list. Oh, I think it you'll enjoy It is on my list. You, you let me know. <laughs> well, because during these strikes, it's actually on my during the strike list of watches, but I got caught up in all the power spinoffs. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and it was gotcha. a lot of Power spinoffs. Now
2: Power doesn't turn into a universe on us. Right. I was like, damn! Every time I turn around, we go into a prequel. It's a postquel. It's somebody's child. A <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh my god! It's so much Power to watch. It do take up your time, so I understand that, I It It
0: is taken all of okay. my time. Like I was just like, I'm like, you know what it has done, truly, Amina is that it has made me be 100,000% fully convinced that I and am, am one of the only people not selling drugs. That is what power <laughs> has made me believe. I'm like everybody everybody's doing it. They're yeah. all whenever I see a van I'm like drugs. Okay, period. Or tiny
2: home, also, <laughs> also, anytime <laughs> I see a business that seems like it doesn't make sense for it to not be busy in that location, money laundering, they're probably using that yes. to wash their drug yes. money.
0: Every mm-hmm. laundromat, nail salon, it's all daycare centers. Mm-hmm. Because of power, I'm like, ooh, they running
2: money. Mm, that's how they wash their money. I literally have what is supposed to be a co-working space not far from my neighborhood. I drive by that whole all different times of the day, Colundra. Don't never see nobody there. It got a website. Don't never see nobody there. Why would it be there except to watch people drug money? Why?
0: It's washing drugs.
2: They're totally washing drug money. That's all I can think. Because I'm like, y'all got a website, <laughs> but where where are the workers? You got a co-working space. I don't see no workers. It's a fashion show with no fashions. It's dreadful.
0: It's dreadful. But workers only work between midnight. <laughs> And 4 a.m. The workers is working the
2: corner. Big facts. <laughs> big facts. Okay, let's talk about the TV app that kept us watching this year. I believe we need to discuss Amazon Prime at this time. And Amazon Prime, I be forgetting about it sometimes, Calundra, because Netflix be real urgent. You know, like I really get in my like, love is blind. And I'm like, ooh, I got to make sure I'm watching that on Friday. And, you know, Hulu get urgent because that's where your weekly shows is at. So sometimes Amazon Prime be like, on the corner of God's back. You know what I'm saying? Like it'd be like somewhere else. But then when I get up in there, I'm like, oh no, it's some good stuff in here. So do you have some Amazon prime favorites that were your things for this year?
0: So let me tell you, Amazon prime, if we're giving out awards, like this is the end of the year school year. This is the end of the school year award ceremony. Amazon Prime gets most improved programming for a streaming uh, platform. Give it up for Amazon Prime because Amazon Prime was truly giving Walmart of the internet.
2: Um Amazon you ain't lying. You ain't lying. Mm-hmm.
0: Would have content on it that was produced for $2.50, mm-hmm. and then it would have content on it that was produced for $250 million. And it was just like, what is what's the strategy here, Amazon? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> it's clear that tech people and not artists are running this because the range mm-hmm. of what I'm getting is just so wild. Like I remember <laughs> there used to be this show. On Prime, that was about these Black people who were expatriates who they moved from Carmel, Indiana to like Thailand. What? And it was like self produced, written, and directed all by one person. No. And like, it was just like, why do I have this and the marvelous Mrs. Mazel on the same platform? On the same platform. That's the thing. This is foolish. It's too much. But this year, Amazon has really given us some fantastic shows. I have to give a shout-out to I'm a Virgo. I need to speak about it. I need to speak about it. it? We got to talk about it, Calundra, because shout-out to
2: Boots Riley for being weird in the best way because I, I enjoyed Sorry to Bother You as well. I enjoyed this. And yeah. so then when it was like, oh, we about to get into I'm a Virgo, I was like, okay. But I, I, at first I was like, oh, I want to really watch that. Like when I read the description, then when I got to Amazon Prime and looked at the little cover graphic and looked at their description, I was like, wait, am I prepared for what I'm about to see? Like, what is about to happen to me here? I'm a Virgo was one of the most
0: weird and delicious movies <laughs> Weird and delicious is wow. such so a perfect way to describe it. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. What what were your thoughts when you when you really got into the plot of that? Like how how were your feelings regarding this?
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm a Virgo sent me on a whole emotional experience because at first it's like, okay first, okay, first of all, I love Boots Riley. Yeah. Literally anything Boots Riley. Yes. Then we get into it and it's like, okay. These people got this giant baby who they keep in a shed in the back. (laughs) What's happening here? Then he leaves the house and they're like spinning out cars in the middle of the street and also eating fast food. (laughs) Like, because all he wants to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is go get this fast food. But then when the girl falls in love with him, you're like, she weird too. Like, it's just like, it was so many things, but then when the metaphor started to come yeah, together yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: of, you know, I'm a Virgo is really truly about, you know, the fear around uh black men, especially young black men in society. When the metaphor the metaphor clicks around about episode three, yes. I would say. Yes. But for the first two, you're gonna be along for the ride because mm-hmm. you're like, what is this? And why is Mike Epps <laughs> now just Occupying the role of everybody's crazy daddy. Everybody's
2: daddy. daddy. Wow. Mm -mm. Crazy
0: daddy. (laughs) Also, not me
2: not knowing that Denzel Washington had a daughter until I looked into the credits of I'm a Virgo and was like, not the love interest being a child of Denzel Washington. I didn't even know. Like, Baby girl managed to just live her Black woman ass life and if you didn't know, she really had a like, if you know, you know Life until this movie. I didn't know anything
0: about her. I had no her. idea until you just said it. I, I'm like, wow. Who? I mean, we knew Denzel and Pauletta had more than one child, but I never actually investigated into the lives of those children. Did not-
2: Sis sis had her a nice she must have had her a nice just like out of the limelight life cuz i looked on i was like oh, okay even seeing a black woman in a movie in last name washington still didn't click denzel to me but the, the but the the scenes in the show were so interesting that i find myself like googling things then they were like denzel washington's daughter and i said excuse me excuse me denzel washington's daughter out here being a wonderfully Black woman, weird-ass character, weird-ass love interest?
0: Yes. With a giant? <laughs> with a giant, right? <laughs> and and we won't even get into the graphic nature of it all, but it's I, the thing that might have I I have to do
2: a bonus episode about that, Kalundra, because I do have some thoughts. Okay, continue, mm-hmm,
0: continue. But the thing that I love about that show, too, is that, you know, connecting, since you said it, that that's Denzel's daughter, now I'm just like, okay, so... Denzel and Pauletta Washington's kids turned out like the kids of artists. Yes, you know, what I mean? and they're did. like they're just a little off, and, and I, loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I do love that. It. I love that for I'm them.
2: Really- I was in very, very much support of that. Other things that you loved on Amazon Prime, we already talked about Mrs. Maisel. What else? What else are some jewels that were there this year?
0: Okay, underappreciated Jim. post apocalyptic, uh, comedy ish set in a Catholic all-girls boarding school in Australia where they have come back for their 10-year reunion and then the apocalypse hits. It's called Class of 07. If you have not seen this foolishness, just binge watch it. It is worth your time. I don't even understand who wrote this or why. I don't know why in 2023 you would want to set a TV show in 2017 because it's not that long ago. That part—that's mm-hmm. the choice they made, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that choice sets you up for the utter and complete foolishness that unfolds during this TV show. What I got to add is this to my
2: list. This I missed work. this. I missed this. So I'm glad you told also, me about this. Also,
0: more utter and complete foolishness. Who let them give us jury duty? Boy,
2: I'm like two or three episodes in, and I'm like, what am I looking at? This is like. Candid camera in the revert. Like, what's happening? What's happening? Like, everybody's acting, but this one person—is that the premise? Like, I'm still, I'm still watching, and I'm like, do I know what I'm looking at? Am I understanding? <laughs> so, is the premise of jury duty that there's a person who thinks they're really going to jury duty, but they are in fact surrounded by all actors? Is that the premise? Am I understanding it right, Kalindra.
0: I cannot confirm nor deny. because <laughs> Getting to the end is part of the journey okay, of that show.
2: Okay, so I got to keep watching. You can't stop.
0: Okay. Once you watch one
2: episode of Jury Duty, you got to watch the whole thing. Okay, I'm glad you told me this because I was really like, I'm I'm not exactly sure what's happening. And the isn't there one of the producers has a show that's on Max that's also kind of strange like this oh, I can't remember his name now, but I tried to watch his show on Max and it's kind of awkward like this. So I'm like, oh my God. But I'm glad you told me. Stay through to the end.
0: You got to stay through stay to the, the end. Stay the course.
2: Stay the course for jury duty. Okay. Gonna
0: you're going to scream several times. Oh. Just mm. you're in
2: for a ride. Okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and check that out. I, I want to speak about shiny, happy people.
0: You know we love a I'm... conspiracy theory <laughs>
2: This is the, the the documentary surrounding surrounding the Duggar family, but it's also giving us some context regarding fundamentalist evangelicalism, regarding why that became a popular thing on television. I the fact that they called that documentary Shiny Happy People really took me clean out of here.
0: Took me clean out of here. I have to be honest with you and say that I didn't know what to expect from that docu-series. But when I got into it, I couldn't stop. Could not. And it blew my mind. Like, this is... You want to talk about mess? (laughs) (laughs) It's so much mess that you find out about in Shiny Happy People. Like... And it's just it's amazing how the machine, the political, like it's like the religious machine, got into the lobbying political machine and used the media to advance an agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's it's happening. And the thing is, the Duggars being off the air has not changed what's happening. It's that part, it's it's still happening. Like the the way that this family. Was used to create propaganda around the the kind of traditional roles of women and men in society, and what God wants from people, and to get people to get married and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce, all to preserve like an idea of eugenics. Like it's just so. Ah. Mm. My mind was blown. Then the fact that the whistleblower of the family had to be the sister who was being sexually abused by her brother. It's that part. I was it's like, that part. yikes. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then not not only are, you, like, it's then they doubled down and we, we knew about the Ashley Madison case. Right, right, right. We knew about the Ashley Madison case because Ashley Madison back in the day was getting everybody hemmed up. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that there was just so much deviance going on and that friends and neighbors knew. hmm That part. And they were just like, gotta fix it. Huh? I'm like, yikes. I don't know. Or you can call 911? You know okay, what I mean? like- And report
2: it. I don't know what we mean. Also, I watched the early, probably first couple of seasons of the Duggars show. And I can't remember if I had a friend who recommended it to me. I also was probably in a much more evangelical place, obviously, than I am at this time of life. And the one person I wanted to see in the series was the cousin. I cannot remember her name off the top of my head right now, mm-hmm. but she was like she, she would come and here. come and visit there. She was on there, but she would come and visit there in the in the TV show. And I always thought it was interesting that she she's clearly not growing up the same as her cousins, but her her parents and her aunt and uncle, I guess, were allowing her to hang out with the Duggar children. Like they were all allowed to sort of grow up together. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't remember her name right now, but like, just I always thought it was very curious of like, why is it not seen that she is someone who would be corrupting in this? So when her and her husband popped up on the docuseries, I was like, oh, I know the tea coming out right now. Your cousin is on here. I know she was at your house almost every day.
0: Well, and then we learned too in the series, now it's jogging my memory. She Stopped messing with them after a while. Like she put some distance. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that husband was like, nah, your family crazy. Okay. Like- he was
2: like, We don't need to go over there no more. I don't care if it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, I don't care what those people are doing. We don't need to be over there. Period. No, yeah. no. That was wild. I was like, this is absolutely insane. I was like, they really got the tea out here. Like, really got the tea. The daughters is on here. The cousin on here. Somebody's sister. One of the Duggar parents' sisters on here. I said, the people came out and said, sorry, it's not family over everything. I'm about to tell it. I'm about to tell it. I'm about to tell what happened. Period. Mm, that was a very interesting one.
0: was on there. The former best friends were on there. I was like, dang, I said, they about put y'all stuff out there like them Murdaw people. <laughs> I mean, the Murdaws weren't on uh, Prime. I know we, 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 and we, but we got to get to the Murdaws because I that fool. <laughs> this,
2: this is actually a good, a good transition into best docu-series because as Calundra coined on here, we love us a scamumentary. And mm-hmm. I I do want us to speak further about some other documentaries. So let, let's get into the Murdaws because I... I'd like lightly get into true crime. If it started getting into murder, I I like a, like a organized, you know, drug front. I like um some corporate greed, you know, as a part of a scamumentary. When it get into true crime, where it's like people is getting murdered, sometimes I'll be like scared. Like this is about to make me have nightmares. But so many things were coming up about the murders that what got me to watching was the Netflix docu-series.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because I really didn't watch it the first time but then when they were like, they were kind of similar to that one that you and I talked about last year that was about the woman who had the really big hair and she had the church in Tennessee. Uh-huh. And then they were like, but we gonna come back and have another installment of episodes. And I was like, how many could this be? And this happened with the Murdos because they had the initial series in oh. which I didn't watch. And then they were like, aha, we have more updates. And I was like, now, now, <laughs> if you had time to come back and do more episodes, that's like my type of mess. So I just went ahead and watched the whole thing. What
0: the hell was going on over there? Listen, these people wreaked havoc in this small South Carolina town. And then they didn't just keep it confined to their town. They proceeded to basically wreak havoc across the state of South Carolina. How on earth are you so dysfunctional that you create mess that an entire state has to clean up. That part. Like you know, for people who did not watch or have not understood about the Murdaz, basically, there was this family in this rural South Carolina town who had gotten to the place where they were managing partners in this the law firm in mm-hmm. town mm-hmm. and had their hand when we're greasing the hands of every single judge. Throughout the south state of South Carolina, and then all of a sudden it gets Shakespearean, and everybody around them just starts dying. Whew. Right, and so then what happens is that the wrong pretty girl got killed in a boating accident. My mind, my mind, my, my. and the proverbial you know what hit the fan. It did. It did. <laughs> and. Everybody right now is just dead or in prison. That's all you need to know. Everybody's dead it. or in prison. That's it. And the and the journey of how you
2: find out that that's the results was um a very very fascinating journey. Like I I was I was a little nervous. I did watch it during the daytime because I don't want to be scared at night. But it was oh, yeah. very it was very interesting. Sort of the power structure those power dynamics i mean especially being people from the south the southern dynamics of what mm-hmm. of what is allowed to be said um in public of what is family business and what mm-hmm. is not considered to be family business the dynamics of the girls and women in these situations as yes. well and and where they did or did not have agency and people still are uh, really running rampant out here, still. Like some people is in prison and some people not. <laughs> it's just like, why, right. why yeah.
0: are you not also in jail? What? First of all, let me just, I'm a listen. If anybody's listening, they got a problem with it, see Kalundra, not Amina. Somebody going to have to prove to me that that housekeeper, ain't, she's withholding. She knows right. more than she, said than she did. She is withholding somebody lying there. I, it's really no telling what the body count is for this family. Look. Then you got to get the lifetime movie supplement. <laughs> Cause you know, <laughs> <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime is like, we're not a docu-series. We're going to make a movie about what's true and what's rumored. Uh And so (laughs) it's a two-part movie. You know your family is messy when you get a two-part Lifetime movie. Period. It's four hours worth of Murdoch content. And this is not
2: 2300 Jackson Street. You know what I'm saying? You expect (laughs) to have a two-part film about a family that has nine family members, two of which became two of the biggest rock stars in the world. Okay, you had a four hour film about murder,
0: about your family being connected to murder. Right. They had Titanic murder. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Please. I also really want to speak about the secrets of Hillsong. I don't know if you participated in watching this docuseries, but I I told you.
0: But I didn't finish. But go. I told you
2: that I enjoy watching white people mess in these types of situations, but because I worked in white conservative church, these documentaries about white conservative church mess, like it really hit me different because I was in greeting rooms with some of those people. I was at mm. conferences with some of those people. So I had already watched the, there was two versions about this Hillsong story. Discovery app had one. That yeah. sort of centered the woman who, and if and for those of you who are familiar, Hillsong is was I'm not sure is was uh, <laughs> is was uh, a church in New York City that was very uh, celebrity adjacent. So there were a lot of uh, athletes and entertainers who were very connected to this church, which gave the church and the pastor who was Carl Lentz at that time uh, gave uh, that gave the church and the pastor notoriety. Right? Okay, so originally. While Carl Lentz and his family were in hiding away from the media, Discovery App did a did a series where they interviewed the woman who had a relationship with Carl while he was married. Like when they they do the thing, let me tell you a moment I live for in a documentary, when they sit the chair out and they have the person walk in. Mm. I live for that, Kalundra, because you're like, oh
0: shit. No. They, mm. You know it's going to be a Stormy Daniels-like appearance. (laughs) I'm like, damn,
2: they let you walk out here like this? Because you're like, now I know I'm going to get the tea. Like, I'm just not going to get people, you know, pontificating about the tea or hypothesizing about the tea. Like, I'm about to get the tea. So I had already watched that one. But then when Hulu was like, we indeed have Carl Lentz and his wife sitting down in the chair. I was like, yes, indeed, I will watch this. I want to see the tea. And I was always very curious, like generally in sort of white conservative evangelical space, there's a lot of story around what happens when a white man in leadership has a fall from grace. Mm -hmm. And typically it's not a very far fall because there is always some structure to sort of help him come back as leadership coach, come back as business owner, come back as whatever that is. So it was. I was very interested to see like what's going to be the comeback for this person, and to see him and his wife really, they really, they really gave up some tea about this organization that they had felt they had to be loyal to all these years. Wow, I, mm, I really enjoyed the tea about that. I will say there were some moments that I was like, oh, I see everything's not different. <laughs> there were a few moments where I was like. Mm, I'm hearing that answer and thinking, yikes. No, thank you. But I enjoyed every minute of that tea. I enjoy rich people mess. I enjoy white rich people mess. Um, I enjoy white Christian rich people mess. And that's really.
0: The latter is truly Mm -hmm. the trifecta of Mm -hmm. mess that makes it great. Carl Lentz, though, is interesting because you remember there was a little, on a little network, there was a show called Preachers of L.A. And was. And he was on that show, and that was messy. And on that show, when he was on that show, he was like the preacher who everybody was saying was kind of the sane one. But the streets were talking back then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about Hillsong and what was going on there. And then, okay. Hello? Mina, you have permission to edit this out. <laughs> but... The Streets is also talking about, like, the affiliation between Maverick City Music and Hillsong and... My, my. Oh. I just... Mm. I'm so exhausted. Listen, you know what
2: I mean? Like... It'd be a lot, man. it mm. It'd be a lot because because the thing... I think the thing that I also wanted to speak to about this in relation to your comment, to is having worked in white evangelicalism as an industry, as a Black woman... And now, no longer working in that industry, there is a lot of uh, gaslighting going around over there, where you are there like something is not right over here, something is not feeling like it's right, and everybody is giving you the "god gonna fix it" sort of vibe. And then when you finally come out and breathe regular air and realize, no, I was not, I was not off in what I was, you know, discerning here. I was discerning correctly that things were not right. Then it take a documentary to be like, ah, d- yeah it's, mm, that's okay. That's the part. That's the part. So I feel like there will be more. There will be more exposés oh. related to this industry. And I do have an air popper for my popcorn specifically for these situations.
0: There is always a Black or Brown woman who was the nurse, administrative assistant, accountant, who will spill the tea? And so until she gets on camera, we haven't heard. That it.
2: part, that's the thing. That that was the part about the Hillsong documentary that I was like, mm, yeah. Once I saw those couple of Black women, I was like, yes, yes, tell us. <laughs> it's very similar to the Lululemon. No, not Lululemon. Is that the one?
0: Yeah, Lululemon. Uh-huh. Was that them? Lauren from Lululemon blew it up over there. Yeah. They're with... um. With, uh, what's the show that, um, we recently watched too? The Murdoch's. That's yes. what did good Miss Shelley. Yes! Miss Shelley had a, a brother who worked for the police department and her brother called her and said, don't get caught up. He said, this ain't what you want. This, this ain't, ain't what you want, what you want honey.
2: Okay, wait, it's not Lululemon. What is the name of those people, child? But it's similar to Lululemon. Oh my God, it's going to bother me.
0: But there was a Black woman who blew up Lululemon. Did? Yes. Oh my
2: God. I love when Black women be blowing things up. Okay, also, can you talk to me about the documentary about Pamela Anderson that was on Netflix? I'm not sure if you watched this.
0: I did not because, you know, I like to leave Pamela Anderson back on that TV show she used to be on. No, No, not the one one. after that. Oh, I don't know. It was a TV show Pamela Anderson was on. I'm going to find the name of it. Let me know, please. Where she was like, it was her and a group of women who I feel like they used to like fight crime or something. Oh, tell me something because I didn't even remember that. And I feel like this show was like on the back corner. of like usa back in the day you know what i mean so i left pammy as you, they wanted to, her. you wanted to
2: leave her there uh, i left her there leave her but
0: there. what I'm, did we learn from the pamela well, anderson i'm list?
2: gonna tell you the reason why i got involved is because of hulu's series surrounding the sex tape of oh, yeah. her and and tommy, and, and tommy. And that was the first time... Th- this this series, to me, is included in other recountings of big moments that happened in the 90s, like when they did the American crime on the OJ trial. Um, mm-hmm. When they did the series that was centered around Monica Lewinsky's experiences. These series, I feel like the Hulu, like more dramatized version of the Pamela and Tommy actually gave you more view into what it was like to be Pamela. Having gone through that, it was like at the time it was happening, you know, the Me Too movement hadn't happened. We were still in an era where it was like, well, she decided to have sex on camera, air quotes. She deserved it was still sort of the era. You know, Tommy's getting all this like, you know, masculine accolades and she's being made out to be like she's a terrible woman. But when they did the Hulu dramatized version, they actually like sort of gave us more of the the lens of her story and how that actually impacted her that really made me see her more through the light of today. That if that had happened today, there would have been more sympathy for her than there was then, which had me like, what does a woman do after the way that shit hit the fan? What happened? So I have to say that documentary made me, I mean, I I think one of the things on it that was really wild is basically hearing Pamela say that Tommy is still like her soulmate. That no matter who she's married or who she has dated since that man, she really feel like their relationships don't work because it's not him. Even though she know when they get together, it ain't nothing but a hurricane and it's bad for both of them.
0: (sighs) That was some shit. It's that's. I mean, that's mature. I mean, I guess that's that's a mature perspective. Like, I love you, but I got to love you from a distance. The TV show was called VIP, by the way.
2: Okay, thank you. Because I was like, Baywatch? But she had VIP too, so let me find out. But yeah, it, it- VIP. It endeared um, me. I felt endeared to Pamela. And I and it made me want for her to win on her own terms. It She got a follow-up. What
0: winning follow look like for her at this point? That's I mean, the thing. I mean, did she- Because I feel like she's one of those people who got stuck like, she didn't Kim Kardashian in her sex tape. Right, you know right, what right, I mean? right. Like, she got stuck mm-hmm. at that place in mm-hmm. some ways.
2: Yeah, I think, like, she definitely got a follow out of me after that documentary. That's how much it emotionally impacted me that I was like, let me follow her on Instagram. So it's sort of like you're seeing her slowly come out of her shell with, like, yeah. some events that she's attending, some beginning, like, partnerships with brands kind of thing. So I think she may still be figuring that out. But mm-hmm. it was nice to see that it was like I I want I want a win for you whatever that looks like for you Pamela I I want you to have that um also to close out our docuseries I want to talk about telemarketers on max and this is unfortunately a not best docuseries they got me though they got me Calendra they got me this this documentary is I don't know how to describe to you that it's very bad the perspective is bad i like i i really feel like i want someone else to produce a documentary about telemarketing as an industry <laughs> about its underbelly this was like two homies who met in a telemarketing job that happened to be corrupt. And partly it's about them trying to reconnect with each other and partly about them trying to understand what they were selling. And it went very slowly and it went very badly, but so bad that I watched it until the end. So that is really our not best docu-series of 2023 is Telemarketers. Okay, I want to move on to a very specific reality TV moment. I need to speak to you about Real Housewives of New York, the reboot.
0: Do we have to? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you hate it, Calundra? Do you hate it? Do you hate it? Like, this is what I need to know. Do you hate it? Or have you not even felt compelled to watch, like, discuss?
0: <laughs> but diversity doesn't go the way you want it to. <laughs>
2: They tried.
0: Not how you make the case for DEI. <laughs> because, le- okay, for those of
2: you who are unfamiliar, who are not Housewives heads, okay, so our 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 last season of Real Housewives prior to this reboot, Real Housewives as a uh, Real Housewives of New York was getting static. That it's in one of the most diverse cities in America, mm-hmm. but the cast itself was not diverse. They added Ebony.
0: Williams? Am I lying?
2: I think this is her name.
0: Ebony Williams, who been being a terrorist out here in these streets. Very. Yes. Added her. And
2: she, maybe as a lawyer, maybe as a, as a professorial type, I don't know. She felt like she needed to take these white ladies through a workshop on race. <laughs> and inevitably what happened is racism jumped out. <laughs> like, it was like right. all all the all the racism was jumping out of some of them cast members to the point that that season did not have a reunion because so much racism had jumped out during her um, Shabbat Shalom meals that she was trying to have to help these white women learn how to exist, you know, in current America that they could not <laughs> allow them to have a reunion and say more racist things. To the point that I guess they would just, like, scrap this whole thing. Let's get us a whole new cast. They be younger. They be more diverse. And I'm going to tell you, Kalendra, I'm voting for these girls. This stuff on Real Housewives of New York, the reboot, this is some rich, white, petty shit. Yes. These girls are fighting over cheese. Yes. That is the rich <laughs> type of shit you watch real housewives for had a they're whole fight beverly over season
0: one yes calandra they're giving yes. beverly hills season one vibes like it's very much lisa taylor uh what was uh kelsey Grammer? camille yes Grammer, camille know? yes Kyle kim like it's giving that energy mm-hmm. but 20 years younger
2: yes very Very, I was like, these girls are really having a fight. Erin is about to cry that these girls would not receive her caviar. She's really about to be in tears that these girls would not receive her caviar. Like, I enjoy this type of petty thing. I, I'm, I'm rooting for these girls. I, I'm, 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 I'm silently whispering, "Is
0: Atlanta ready to reboot?" Because we're ready, and also, um the what i will say the thing about all of these housewife franchises though usually like the redeeming quality of new york even when it got crazy or boring is that at least they can dress <laughs> now <laughs> the the mess is pretentious but it's also like new money you know yes, what i mean it's so very then new it's money like, mm-hmm. the money the ink is still drying mm-hmm. on those bills mm-hmm. and the, the the wardrobe is chaotic. <laughs> it's
2: chaotic. <laughs> Miss, really, the wardrobe is giving a couple of characters from Selling Sunset. There's a couple <laughs> of really specific characters from Selling Sunset that I'm like, do you have to show houses wearing this? I mean, do the, do the shoulder pads have to be that much at an angle? Like, I don't think we need couture of this level to sell a house. Like, so some people were trying. There were some feathers involved. There were some feathers involved.
0: That's There's true. literally every material involved. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> 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 they were like, we're going to have feathers, beads, tulle, and satin. Mm-hmm. Boom. It was just like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, we
2: try and try him.' Okay, I got it. Try and try. Try and try. Okay, my last category that I want to discuss is best new show. And I want to start with your thoughts about, I think this is on Max young love which has been all over my everything like everybody is talking I have not watched but I want you to tell us what are I want you to tell us first of all generally what are the vibes what do you love about it and also I want you to I'm um, really convinced me that I should watch an animated show because there is something in my mind sometimes that'd be like it's animated it's not for me so please tell us everything
0: can I sidebar though real quick before we talk about new shows <laughs> Speaking of things related to the Real Housewives of New York, but also that were new this year that we didn't get a chance to touch on, was Deconstructing Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you're unfamiliar with Deconstructing Karen, it was basically what Ebony K. Williams was trying to do on the Real Housewives of New York, where basically this Indian woman and this Black woman would have these dinners with these white women trying to, like, make them better people. And then they went on Dr. Phil and it all fell apart. Anyway, so new show mm-hmm. young love mm-hmm. on max i still have to stop calling it hbo max much like okay, they keep saying i'll be trying on twitter I'll be but trying. um and i'm like it's twitter um but it's okay so let me tell you matthew cherry who got the academy award for love his him. short film love Matthew Parallel. cherry yes yes he now has an animated series on hbo about it's told from a little it's like ghetto karma's world, but stay with me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm tracking, I'm tracking. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a little girl named Zuri who her mama does hair and her daddy makes beats. And they live in one of her grandparents' apartments on the south side of Chicago. And she... Is all about like creativity and the environment and experiments and like she's a free spirit and she's only like nine. And then like her mama recently had cancer and daddy is just trying to make it, but he's like a real musician who's like trying to do he's like he's giving you most death. He's mm-hmm. giving you comments, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But he's gotta make beats for like the little yachtis of the world. But he is like trying not to sell his soul, and then his like home girl voiced by Tamar Braxton. Wow. Is (laughs) it's like but you need to get this money though and like I say all of this to say who knew we needed like a hood cartoon about adult issues for children wow
2: (laughs) I think I think it's the four children for me it's the four children with the question mark for me that tells me everything I needed to know thank you
0: Mm -hmm. it's I don't know I think it's like Supposed to be a family show, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy it. The the the, the, what, the Issa Rae voices the mom. Her mama is voiced by Loretta Devine. I mean, it's yes. really it's top tier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they they held nothing back. Young Love is worth it to watch. I don't know who is for but it's for everybody <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I, I I really like that as an endorsement I don't know who it's for but it is for everybody okay can everybody. you can you talk about well mania because you mentioned this and I don't know anything about this show so I really need you to tell because like I I saw this and really went to my little you know queue like why is this not in my queue like tell us tell us about well mania why is it one of the best new shows
0: so let me tell you about how I enjoy a dysfunctional white girl is ruining her life, <laughs> movie, docu-series, <laughs> really anything in that category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so Well Mania, but let me tell you where Well Mania does it better because Well Mania has heart and you're it, and, and it shows you yourself mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because what Well Mania is, is it's about, it's a show about this woman who is a food journalist who is burning the candle at both ends. And she goes home for her brother's wedding in Australia. She's living in New York, but she goes home to Australia for her brother's wedding. And she ends up collapsing. And Basically, she can't get medical clearance to be able to fly to leave the country to go back to New York. Whoa. And she's trying to audition for a role as a judge on a new TV, a new TV show. It would be, it would basically be like she would be auditioning for the Food Network, right? Right. So <clears throat> we see her basically fighting and doing everything possible not to have to take care of herself. She's trying to master wellness so that she can get the medical clearance to get on the plane to get back. And all the hijinks, hilarity, and foolishness that ensues is also coupled with the fact that she has to address unresolved childhood traumas and other things like that. And they left us on such a cliffhanger in the last episode. I'm not going to give anything away. Everything I've said is not giving anything away. You just got to watch it unfold. But they left us on such a cliffhanger. If Netflix does not... (laughs) Renew Well Mania for at least one more season. We must riot yeah. because what yeah. they're not going to do is leave us where they left us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I support <laughs> it's this. Unacceptable. I support it's that.
2: Unacceptable. <laughs> I support this as a reason. I do. I'm glad you told me about this so I can add this to my to my queue. I have enjoyed Survival of the Thickest on Netflix <gasps> yes. as a new show. I mean, I'm already like whatever whatever Michelle Buteau doing. Yes, I don't care. She got a shoe line. Yes. It's a lot of wigs. I don't even wear a wig. Yes. Whatever Michelle Butel says she's doing, sure. Yes. Interested. This, this television show, it just was so heartwarming and somehow mm-hmm. about boundaries and inclusion and loving oneself. I just, mmm, and hilarious. And her and the best friend, like, oh, all the, all the, all the like other characters that were like supporting characters were also very interesting. I had a wonderfully I interesting lives. Me? Oh,
0: okay. With the olive oil everywhere. <sighs> like why the roommate's hair was laid. I don't know who, I don't know what black person in the hair department was doing that white girl's hair, but it was fabulous. <laughs> Her hair was laid every scene, but she was
2: weird as I get out. She was so strange. I was like, she's like the perfect like foil in this situation. I loved that. I loved, uh, there were just a few moments of that show that I specifically wanted small video clips of. Like when Michelle Bito, Michelle Bito said, I, I'm going to mind my business and water my plants. I was like, yes, let's do that. Then she had sexual encounter, one of many, um, with this man who had this New York accent that sounded like he could have been the extra member of Wu-Tang. And... Some things go on that ruin the sexual moment. And when she stepped out of the bathroom and said, I'm tired and my titties are heavy. (laughs) 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 And he said, let me be your titty assistant. I was like, you know what Michelle Butoh? Yes. mm, Survival of the Thickest really gave me some things. Y'all, I can't... Listen, me and Kalunga don't even have time to tell y'all everything. We just gonna leave y'all with this And then me and Kalundra are gonna talk about some other reality TV things as a bonus episode. So if you are on my Patreon, the bonus episode will be there for you to listen to. Calundra, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much for being here and talking TV with me. It's always great. I feel like, I feel like really, um, even if I wasn't doing this on the podcast, I would still be trying to beg you to come on my IG or something and be like, let's just go on live so you can just we could talk publicly.
0: (laughs) Yes. I love this is so fun because. It's fun because I I love the range of TV that we both watch. Yes, we will run the board.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and you always say things that I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about watching that, or you, or if we both watch, you always have like a different perspective on it that I'm always like, mm, I could see why Kalundra said that. So thank you again for this, Kalundra. We hope we gave y'all some recommendations so that y'all can you know get your get your TV watching together. While we hope that they gon pay the actors fairly so that Mm -hmm. whatever TV is in the pipeline can get made. That is our next hopes is that the people that's supposed to be getting paid to make TV can get paid the appropriate fairly, the rates that they deserve. That's what we want. So thank you so much, Calandra. You're the best.
0: Thank you. You're the best.
2: Christina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Slow Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast.
1: Did we just invent California?
0: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack